What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Hold the Lane, Episode 3. This is a podcast revolving around the entire Call of Duty League and, and the competitive esports scene that follows it, as well as Call of Duty news in general. Uh, that includes any upcoming game news or anything of that nature, anything in the game itself that we are excited for, whether it relates to competitive Call of Duty or not, I'd like to touch on it, you know. So with that being said, we have the official uh, announcement and campaign trailer for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. It takes me back to the, the days of Black Ops 1 back in 2010. It was my personal first Call of Duty just because I got into Call of Duty a little late and wasn't really exposed to it until then. But after weeks and weeks of teasers, we have finally, finally gotten a campaign trailer for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and it's been announced to the public. We, you can go on YouTube and see the trailer now. It's about a two-and-a-half-minute trailer, and you see fan-favorite faces like Mason and Woods returning for one... Well, not even... They, they're not saying it's one more time, but they're starting to bring back those casual fans with these, with these fan-favorite faces. It's supposed to be a direct sequel to the original Black Ops 1, which really interests me because I, I don't know how they're going to do that. Uh, it's, it's obvious at this point that they're trying to interweave the story of both Black Ops Cold War and Modern Warfare, but how they do that, I guess we'll find out. Um, Black Ops 1 was, like I said, my first Call of Duty that I had the chance to be obsessed with. I was, I was obsessed with the YouTube community, everything about the game. It just seemed like it was such a good year for competitive, or not competitive Call of Duty, but Call of Duty in general outside of like the two or three months that PlayStation Network was down because I, I've been a PlayStation dude my entire life. I loved everything about the campaign from that game, uh, everything from the campaign to the multiplayer, outside of a couple of perks that were kind of broken at the time. Uh, as well as the zombies. The zombies in Black Ops 1 was so much fun. I remember going over to friends' houses and uh, just playing the zombies for hours on end. I remember one time Call of the Dead had just come out, the one with George Romero and a couple of other uh, good faces like Danny Trejo and guys like that. And we woke up, turned on the console, and we played Call of the Dead for like... <laughs> it was literally hours. It took us into the afternoon. Um, but going back to Black Ops Cold War... Although they are replacing the voice actors for iconic characters such as Frank Woods and Alex Mason, we, we know this just because we've heard the voice lines for Frank Woods, and it definitely does not sound like James C. Burns. James C. Burns has gone on YouTube and said that uh, he, has not, he has not been contacted, so this has, come to, this has come as a shock both to him and the community, um, just because it's kind of hard to believe that they would do something like that to a guy like... James C. Burns, the one that, you know, made this Woods character popular, honestly. His iconic uh, voice acting, it was just, it made the character. Alex Mason, you can sort of, you can sort of interchange and do what you want with him just because the, the voice isn't really that uh, distinguish, distinguishing <laughs> uh, between one person and another. But seeing both Alex Mason and Frank Woods in the trailer, it was... It was a sight to behold because I love those characters. I love Mason a little more than Woods, honestly, uh, contrary to popular belief, but it was still great to see them. Yeah, also, if exclusive Aces video from a month or two ago, um, if any of that is true about the multiplayer, I, I'm very, very excited for this year. And also, recently, there have been some content creators that got a chance to look at and play the multiplayer, and it's really, really... It, it's sort of a, 
a guiding light at the end of Modern Warfare. Once we can get through these last few months, honestly, we're already in the end game. So once we get through this next week, it's just waiting for the beta, waiting for the multiplayer reveal. Um, like I said, the worldwide reveal for this for this Black Ops Cold War trailer was in Warzone on August 26th. Um, at the time that I'm recording this, it was just yesterday. And it was really, really cool to see how they were not so much doing it like Fortnite, but they were able to still make it live to where there were there were elements like a like a Fortnite event. So, you know, with with how popular Warzone is, it wasn't a surprise that they were able to deliver on this. They also revealed the cover art on um, Thursday, August twentieth, which is almost uh, actually at this the time that I'm recording this. It's, it's exactly a week ago. Um, I love the cover art. It's probably the most colorful colorful cover art that we've had in a long, long time, or probably ever in the Call of Duty world, because it features so many reds and blues and things like that, and most Call of Duty covers are supposed to be gritty, uh, more realistic and warlike, uh, so we see a lot of dark greens and, uh, you know, tan and dusty covers when... Treyarch games have always been colorful, the maps have always been colorful, so why not give us a, a good cover art? Um, I have in my notes here that obviously the campaign trailer was just, it was amazing to watch. And then we got 10 seconds of multiplayer um, footage at the very end of it. So I, I made sure to pay close attention to that and see, just see what I could find out of it. You know, like pause the gameplay and see what kind of a site this is and how they're running, how they're sliding, um, things like that. The OG chopper gunners returning from Black Ops 1. We literally haven't seen it since Black Ops 1. Um, the chopper gunner where you kick open the door and get the mounted turret on your own and just just rain fire on everybody. That chopper gunner is returning in Black Ops Cold War. And although, although back in Black Ops 1 I wasn't the best at getting them just because of how young I was and uh, how it was my first Call of Duty, it was really, really fun when I did get it. And it was really, really fun watching people use it when I watched people like White Boy 7th Street and other Call of Duty commentators. There were there were a lot of information, or there was a lot of information, released about the campaign. Um, the campaign includes features like create a character, which is something that we've that we're going to see for the very first time in Call of Duty. It really really entices me. You can either you can either be a male, female, or quote unquote classified. Which if you pick classified, you will be referred to as uh, them, they, their pronouns, which. It sounds weird being in a video game, like a video game that I'm deep into, but I guess if you want to please people, that's what you have to do, honestly. Um, I have no problem with it, but it just it just feels different. <laughs> but the option's there for people that want to feel that way. Um, all of your traits and psychological traits that you pick with your character will pretty much... It won't, it won't affect the story greatly, but it'll affect certain scenes in a way that everybody gets their own experience. Um, we're throwing it back to Black Ops 2 with this campaign where the endings are all different and everybody won't have the same the same experience. And it seems like they're trying to do that more with the missions as well because it's not so much linear like old games like Uncharted or any other campaign in the Call of Duty series. It's not so much linear in the fact that you have to move forward in this one direction and 
you know, kill the enemies and then move on. It's from what it sounds like from the creators that I've heard, it seems like you're walking with your squad, whether it be Hudson and Woods, and then maybe if you want to, you can veer off and go do a side mission or two and then come back to them if you want to go to the main mission. Which I think the only time we've ever seen that, honestly, is Infinite Warfare, where you could pick side missions to do and stuff like that. Because in any other Call of Duty campaign, it's pretty much just been, all right, here's the next mission, and here's the people you got to kill, and then here's the cutscene. So that's pretty much been it. Um, I'm There's just so much to uncover in that entire trailer. I'm really, really excited for it. There's There's a lot of people especially in the competitive Call of Duty world and the scene that don't care about campaign at all and don't really play it. But honestly, you're missing out if you don't play at least most of the Call of Duty campaigns. I would say that World War II is not the greatest. I haven't completed it myself, but it just seems like with, with how realistic it wanted to be and uh, things of that nature, it just didn't seem like the story really grasped me that, grasped me that much. Honestly, Infinite Warfare had one of the best campaigns that I've played. Obviously, Black Ops 1 and 2 are my favorites of all time, but people have their favorites. I know if you started in the Modern Warfare series, you may enjoy those more, but I, I guess it's just like a nostalgia thing. If you started on a Call of Duty, you may enjoy that one more. So the Black Ops 1 campaign with so much uh, conspiracy theories and uh, like the lore behind Black Ops 1 entices me so much more than anything else with Reznov, Reznov has to come back in Black Ops Cold War, and if he doesn't, even if it's through hallucinations, like, it's gonna feel a little weird, because it's it's also gonna be weird not playing as Mason, because Mason was the focus, whether it be his Alex Mason or David Mason, Mason was the focus of Black Ops 1 and 2, so not playing as a Mason character in a Black Ops game, that's gonna feel a little different, so I hope that we have some opportunity to, like, play a mission with Mason, like, beside him, you know, walk along, alongside him, and then maybe, like, he starts hallucinating and sees Reznov or something like that, which then allows us to see him and we get some sort of interaction. Or, you know, if he's somehow alive after all those years after Vorkuta, uh, we never saw a body, but it was confirmed that he's been dead for five years at the time of Black Ops 1. Um, I'm one of those dudes that's, that's still holding off on hopefully he's still alive, but... I guess they've somewhat confirmed it. But that's basically it for Black Ops Cold War. At the time that I'm recording this on Thursday, April, or April, August 27th, um, in about three hours at 2 p.m., 2 p.m. or 2.30 uh, Eastern Standard Time, they're going to be revealing more about the campaign at Gamescom, the Gamescom live stream, which, would, which should be live on YouTube and most other streaming platforms. I think it... I think it's mainly going to be on YouTube, and I can expect to see some uh, campaign gameplay, which I'm really, really excited for. I don't want to spoil the game too much for myself, but I definitely want to see some gameplay. And even if it's just gameplay in the campaign, uh, I'm excited for that regardless. And then, like I briefly mentioned earlier, the multiplayer reveal will be on September 9th, and it seems like they have a lot of tricks up their sleeve uh, in a good way. They they described on their blog on their website the Treyarch website that their their signature fast paced gameplay is returning to the to the the game the brand because it seems like we sort of go in a in a roller coaster ride with Treyarch games and Modern Warfare games Modern Warfare the game is slowed down so much and then for Treyarch games 
the game is very very fast and you're used to you're sort of encouraged to rush and in modern warfare it wasn't really encouraged to run around on the map it was more encouraged to sort of hold down <laughs> uh no no pun intended to hold down certain lanes of the map and uh sit in windows and be able to take cover when needed things like that for Treyarch games it's more like let's get in your face with smgs and, and things of that nature let's get in their face and not give them time to react which i love i love Treyarch games and i love everything that they with that they come with you know no Treyarch game has let me down yet whether it be in the competitive scene or just in the casual pubs and competitive scene so i'm very very excited for it i, I expect that we're going to get the camp or the multiplayer reveal on the ninth and then you know hopefully for my birthday i can be playing the beta but that's just that's just a long shot in my opinion so i think we'll get it sometime in mid mid-september or the beginning of october it seems like they always have done the beta a month before release so since this is coming out on november 13th um you can either expect it in mid-october or like late september that's pretty much how it's gone lately so let's switch gears and let's go over to the Call of Duty League. We've had a crazy week of playoffs and we've had a crazy week weekend of playoffs. Um, I, I believe that the last two days were the most exciting out of any of them just because the elimination rounds, the loser's bracket rounds, are always the more fun matches to watch just because it's, you know, one of these teams is going to go home. We don't know who it is, and most of the time they're pretty intense matches. But before we get into that, I want to talk about a quick uh, clip that Hex was a part of. Hex being the co-CEO of NRG and, you know, the Chicago Huntsman GM as a, as a uh, factor of that or as a result of that. He was on the podcast hosted by Nameless and Pac-Man. Um, Nameless is an analyst for the Call of Duty League and Pac-Man is a former coach for Optic Gaming, former analyst for the desk, and I believe he's sort of transitioned back to that role but uh he's also signed to rise nation to be i think i think he's like a gm of some sort um which which sort of leads me into my next topic a fan called into the to the podcast and asked hex a hypothetical scenario he said hypothetically assuming that next season is going to be 16 teams would you enjoy being in four different divisions and having the league run that way with sort of a division mindset, which it's sort of like how they already how they were already doing it in Black Ops Four with two divisions, but just splitting them up splitting them up more. And as soon as the guy said sixteen teams, Hex started shaking his head no. Um, he didn't explicitly say no, but he started shaking his head as soon as he heard sixteen. So that sort of that sort of sparked a. Uh, an interest in the competitive scene on like I guess that sort of shuts down rumors about one the league going 4v4 and two the league expanding I mean I know that there's interest in expanding and they've even said that the the commissioner Johanna Ferris has even said that there is interest to expand in the CDL but it doesn't seem like they're doing it this season well next season the 2021 season it just doesn't seem like that's happening um, I hope they I hope they do eventually because um, I said in my notes here that my only issue with this is that there's definitely interest with teams that we've mentioned in the past on the past two episodes like Rise Nation. Um, I'm also I'm also very torn on if 
the home series that we did this year were really the best thing to do for this season or if the format should be revisited. Um, this season's format at least made sense with, you know, whoever whoever won the home series got this many points and then the rest of the places also got points for champ seeding. Um, I guess that's how it really should be. That's how the Pro League playoffs were in Black Ops 4 in previous seasons. Uh, the Pro League sort of held like it was the foundation for the champ seeding. And we do need we do need like solid ways to do champ seeding, but I don't know. I guess it was sort of like the format mixed with moving to online, it doesn't really seem like it, it resulted in an entertaining space because there were some really, really entertaining homestands, but with the format, it, it was less encouraging for fans to really hop on and watch. But with champs and playoffs, that's where and where we have a bracket. Like we, you don't really with with the homestands, you have a bracket, but it's like. These are just these are just playoff ma- these are, these are just pro league matches. It's not really like you're playing for money or anything, and that's where fans look at it and they're like, oh, they're just playing for champs points. Like, like it, it's less motivating. Um, so let's get into the playoffs talk. We're gonna go through and at least say the results of all the matches. And I did watch most of them. There's been there were some matches here and there that I didn't watch, but for the most part I watched most of the matches and I have the re- I have the results as far as map counts for some of them or not map counts but like actual map scores. But others I just have the result and I'll talk about how those how those teams were looking going into the playoffs and give my thoughts on some of them. So the very first match that we had on Wednesday, uh forgot the date honestly. I think it was like August uh, 19th maybe. Um, we had Paris Legion versus the Seattle Surge, and the Paris Legion ended up 3-0ing the Seattle Surge. Um, I'm gonna ignore most of the comments about people lagging and stuff like that because we don't really get into that until um, the OGLA game and other games in the future. We can talk about Texas Kenny later, which I love talking about. Um, yeah, so Swift 3-0 for the Paris Legion. Uh, the hard point was 250 to 114, which is a huge blowout in Modern Warfare terms. Even a 250 to 170 score is a huge blowout for Modern Warfare standards. Uh, game two was six to four in the Search and Destroy, and then Game three I actually watched live on the treadmill back at home. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm back at college now, so I might sound a little better using better mics, better equipment, and things like that. Obviously, the only downside is that I have to use a mask, but that's like the safest thing to do right now. Um, mask mandate all around campus. A little bit of a tangent there, but uh, I had to had to try to get lucky with finding a good mask to use to to be able to be heard <laughs> clearly. So yeah, I watched the domination um, on the treadmill while I was at the gym. I think it was, and that the domination was so back and forth it was just a cluster of back and forth action from both teams very good plays from the Seattle from the side of Seattle I thought Seattle was going to take it but it turns out Paris Legion was just barely able to uh, come away from that game with a three-point win and move on into the playoffs next game that we had was Optic Gaming LA versus the LA Gorillas we had the LA battle right here and Optic Gaming LA was able to come out with that one in a 3-2 fashion 
The Gorillas won the very first hard point, 250-217. So not so much a blowout, but it was a close game back and forth. Um, OGLA took the search, the Game 2 search, 6-4. to four, And then the Gorillas, um, OGLA actually took the domination as well by about 14 points. And then Gorillas took the hard point, Game 4, 250-151. to 151, So pretty much a blowout in that one. Uh, they had to have pulled away at the very end from what it seems like. And then a big, a big, big uh, talking point. Um, sorry, I'm getting some DMs and I'm just, I don't want to stop recording. I'm doing this all in one take, but I'm getting some very important DMs. Uh, game five is when Texas Kenny, which he wasn't known as at the time, but he he was getting hit off so much during the entire series that I believe it started pretty early. I think it started in the game four hard point. He lagged out, and that's why they actually lost the hard point because they have the league has a weird rule that if both teams, um, if both teams' points total to 150, you have to play the rest of the game out. Whereas if they didn't total to that, you would be able to do a replay and get that player back in there. But Kenny basically got hit offline because I don't see any other way that was happening because he he didn't lag as much for the entire pro league. But then once you get the champs. You're just randomly getting hit offline. Yeah, he somebody like somebody deliberately tried to get him hit offline, and obviously it succeeded. So in game five, on a very very short notice, we had the return of Big Bruce uh, Optic Dashy coming in here. He had a very successful Black Ops Four year. Um, one of the one of the best Black Ops Four players, right behind Simp. Uh, Dylan's in the question for that. Um, probably the second best Black Ops Four player. Dashy gets subbed in for game five. Uh, apparently, Kenny was hit offline twice, so once in the hard point, and then once uh, right before the game five. Dashy finished about nine and seven, from what I could tell. And then I also wrote that although he gained a bad reputation this season by not really caring at all at the uh, of the game, he didn't really care about the game. Uh, he essentially benched himself, in my opinion. Uh, this this game five sub and definitely helped him. Um, like I I wrote this very, very early because I thought I was going to be recording the podcast a little earlier, but I said that I don't think they'll be bringing him back, which they didn't because Kenny ended up getting all the way to Texas to fix the internet. So thankfully Kenny did that, and it, it very much helped their chances in the very end. Um, the London Royal Ravens faced the Toronto Ultra, and Toronto ended up 3-1-ing London. London, which was not a surprise to me because the Toronto Ultra had just won their own home series, the very last home series of the entire season, and they're all looking great. Like Kleenex, um, for any non-Call of Duty fans, Kleenex sounds like a crazy name, but uh, Kleenex is a player that launched onto the scene, I believe in Black Ops 4, um, really making a name for himself. And then obviously with with uh, Modern Warfare, he's made a huge name for himself on the Toronto Ultra, being a huge contributor in the sling department, being one of their best SMGs, and Methods being a good AR, although he doesn't have the most consistent games in my opinion, uh, he's definitely like their second player that you want to keep at a higher priority. The London Royal Ravens are one of those teams that like, they have some great players, I'm a huge fan of Weskin, uh, Huge fan of the Marshall Brothers. I believe that's their last name. Um, the Twins. Uh, Weskin and Scraps. I'm a huge fan of both of those guys. And Weskin has had a great year. But it just seems like the London Royal Ravens can't really 
close out when they need to, or at least that's what it seemed like during the entire season. But thankfully, you know, spoiler alert, uh, to get to get ready for the weekend, they're in the top four. So they've at least been doing something right during playoffs. The Minnesota Rocker, with their new substitution exceed, um, fell 3-1 to the New York Subliners. So what all did this substitution really do for, them, for the Minnesota Rocker? We don't really know. Because it's weird, because before playoffs, they were they were tweeting out about their scrim count uh, all the way down to the map count, like how well they're doing in squ- scrims. Uh, as far as the players actually calling out certain teams and saying how good they were beating them in scrims. And then the very first map, they fall 3-1 to the New York Subliners. Granted, the New York Subliners are a great team. They have Mac and the duo of Attach and Zuma, as well as Temp. Temp's having a great year. So it's very justifiable that you would fall to a team like this, but from from the hype that they were getting before playoffs, it seems like they they could have pulled out with this one. Moving on to the next match, we had a very, very good matchup uh, between the Chicago Huntsmen and the New York Subliners. It went all the way to a Game 5, and I actually remember certain plays from this because I was I was playing at the time, and I was watching on the side, and this is where we actually saw the Chicago Huntsmen's very first match of playoffs, and Skump has officially asserted his dominance uh, in this in this entire run. Um, he's really stepped up for his team after not having the best season. Uh, he's had some good search plays throughout the season, but not so much, not not really enough in the response to to show for it, in my opinion, at least. The next match we have the Florida Mutineers versus the Toronto Ultra, and the Toronto Ultra three won the Florida Mutineers. After winning about two or three home series in the entire season, the Florida Mutineers have not really looked so great across the past two, maybe three home series. So it's interesting to watch that unfold. On Saturday, we had the London Royal Ravens versus the Paris Legion. And the London Royal Ravens, surprisingly for me, actually, I didn't have them winning this one, but the London Royal Ravens actually 3-1 the Paris Legion. And that was off the backs of, obviously, Wuskin and Dylan. Um, Dylan has really showed up in playoffs, in my opinion. He's He's been contributing in the slaying department, getting right in your face. When I said earlier that Modern Warfare doesn't really promote that, uh, Dylan has found a way to sort of just pull that off. You know, we see players like Dylan, Kleenex, and uh, Simp doing all of that this season and being able to do so in a very clean fashion. OGLA 3-0 the Minnesota Rocker, which wasn't really a surprise to me at this point. Uh, Draza from the from the Optic Gaming LA um, Draza has been going off. Texas Kenny finally came into the fold where he he was able to move state lines from California to, I think he said he went to Chicago first, but I'm not sure if that's true. And then he ends up staying in Texas for the internet, which some friends have told me this. Uh, like if, if you're competing in playoffs and champs, why don't you just move why don't you just move like before playoffs to get that advantage? Like why wait until? Wait, why wait until the day of and get off and get hit offline and then decide to move? Some some of my friends believe that that should have been a precaution that certain teams were taking to begin with, but obviously with COVID and things of that nature, um, some players or teams are uh, vouching not to do that. I know that Chicago has 
formal on their team, and he's still in California and is not going to budge no matter what um, because of COVID and because he doesn't like flying, flying private. So that's understandable. That's, that's uh, respectable, but it's just interesting how that works. The Atlanta Fays faced the Chicago Huntsmen on Saturday and beat them in a game five. I was very excited to see this because, honestly, I'm more of an Atlanta Fays fan than anything else. Uh, just because just because the Huntsmen have such a huge fan base, it's, it's easy for me to pick other teams to cheer for. Um, the Dallas Empire, to finish Saturday night, they 3-2 the Toronto Ultra, which I thought it was going to be like a 3-1, but... Regardless, the Dallas Empire won, and I it would have been a shocker to me to see Toronto beat them. On Sunday, the big, big Sunday, which I, I'm so tempted to call Championship Sunday. I'm, <laughs> I'm so tempted to call it Championship Sunday just because it, it, it featured so many great games. So we're going to start with the first one. We had the New York Subliners versus the London War Ravens. And what I have here is that the London War Ravens 3-2'd the New York Subliners. I don't believe it was around 11. I could be wrong, but I don't believe it was around 11 just because I would have written that written it down. But uh, it was more of a it was more of a routine thing that I've mentioned before. Like the same usual players would go off. Um, you obviously have the standouts. Um, I think on Sunday the London Royal Ravens actually tweeted out that Shawnee was having a good day. So shout out to Shawnee. He's uh, definitely stepping up when some some people in the community are doubting him. So I wonder what the team vibes are like with, with Shawnee in the lineup because there's a ton of people in the community that believe that he's sort of the outlier. And moving into Black Ops Cold War, he may be dropped. That's what some people are definitely speculating. Uh, it seems like it to me, but after seeing some of the map stats for him specifically, I, I, I don't know. And, and you, we're going to have to watch how how their weekend unfolds moving into Champs Weekend. They have a big match against them, or a big match ahead of them. Next up, the Florida Mutineers uh, faced off against Optic Gaming LA, and Optic Gaming LA ended up 3-0-ing the Florida Mutineers, which wasn't really a surprise to me just because of how Florida's been been performing. I mentioned it earlier, they had a very, very long stretch of success, but then... Uh, very coincidentally, once the anti-cheat rules were implemented by the Call of Duty League, things started falling off for the Florida Mutineers. Now, logically, someone, someone would say that teams just caught up, and that's what I believe. I believe that teams just caught up and were able to, to outplay them in certain scenarios. Other people that believe that Awakening was cheating and things of that nature will believe that, you know, he was cheating earlier, and now that... Now that there's a way for the league to know that he's not cheating, they're just losing like crazy. I think that the correct answer is that he was never really cheating. It's just that people pick up the game earlier than others. The Minnesota Rocker earlier in the season were one of the best teams. They were like top two, in my opinion, maybe top three. And, you know, teams just caught up. It wasn't necessarily the switch to online for the Minnesota Rocker. It's just we get to the summer you know, we hit like May, late May or early June, and all of a sudden your favorite teams are starting to sort of lose their footing a little bit. And you see that in all kinds of sports, but it's it's interesting in the Call of Duty world, especially with the moves to online. Uh, right after that, we had the Toronto Ultra versus the London War Ravens, and London move on, moved on to Championship Weekend by 3-1-ing the Toronto Ultra. Uh, from watching the first two maps before this podcast, 
it it didn't really seem like it was ever in Toronto's favor. Uh, right in the right off the break, I believe the first map was uh, Gunrunner Hardpoint, and Dylan couldn't have been a better help there. Uh, just getting in your face in the in the bathrooms with the MP5 or over at the Crates Hill with the MP5, just picking off two pieces and three pieces. They they really couldn't have done any better to sort of utilize him as a slayer. Um, and then finally, probably one of the best Call of Duty series that I've seen since last year, I would say that the best series of the Black Ops 4 year, me being a little biased, was 100 Thieves versus FaZe at COD Champs, where 100 Thieves managed to do a reverse sweep against FaZe. I think that was probably probably like top two uh, best Call of Duty series I've ever watched in my life. But this next match that I'm going to talk about is probably top five, honestly. The Chicago Huntsman versus Optic Gaming LA. Chicago managed to pull out of that with a very, very close, couldn't have been closer, game five, round 11 win for the Chicago Huntsman. And I said here in my notes, it's one of the best series in Call of Duty history. So many takeaways from the match. They, they peaked at 156,000 viewers. 156,000 viewers is something that we only see on Championship Sundays. And obviously it's for a team like Chicago Huntsman, but it's also for the backstory with Optic Gaming. Uh, the story that Optic Gaming holds behind them with, uh, you know, Hector selling selling the majority of his shares. I don't really know some of the details about the story, but obviously with Hector Rodriguez losing at least his share of Optic Gaming and being able to uh, not being able to really have a say in most decisions, leaving the company, joining Energy, and leading the Chicago Huntsman, being able to turn around and then take down your old company, although it was a company that he built from the ground up, it, it had to have been it had to have been really really satisfying. Uh, it was a, it was an insane series to watch. In my opinion, Optic Gaming LA should have had most of those maps anyway because Draza continued to look insane this series. He was picking off two and three pieces like Dylan, uh, very reminiscent of him. Draza was just uh, his own animal in this match. I have no words for it. Um, and then Chicago Huntsman was able to pull it out with a really very 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 good kill from Envoy. Scump also managing to stay up behind the bar um, was a huge help for our cities on Arklov Peak because Scump was able to stay up longer screaming for help and then our cities was able to come in and get a double kill. I believe that was making it a 2v1 and then Envoy gets the... Get, oh no, it was a 1v1 because our cities dies at the top of the stairs. So I believe it was just a 1v1 and Envoy manages to get the kill against TJ, I believe. Um... And it, it was insane. I was in a party chat with one of my friends, and we were we were both losing our minds. Like, that was honestly one of the best matches in Call of Duty history. And although I hate Modern Warfare, mainly for its multiplayer, uh, I'll give all the kudos to Warzone where, where, they're, um, where they're deserved. I'm obviously not a fan of the multiplayer. I'm always more of a fan of Treyarch's multiplayer style, the rushing aspect. But even with, even with a horrible game and very, very little developer support, competitive Call of Duty always shines. So now we have the top four players, or not team, not players, we have the top four teams going, to ch going into Champs Weekend, which starts 
in two days on August 29th and then ending on August 30th. We have London War Ravens, the Chicago Huntsmen, Atlanta Phase, and Dallas Empire. And in that order, that's how they'll be facing each other. We have the London War Ravens versus Chicago on Saturday, the very first match. And then Atlanta, Atlanta Phase versus Dallas Empire right after that. Um, and then whoever wins, or whoever, whoever loses actually, between FaZe and Dallas will face Chicago Huntsman in the loser's bracket finals. So I'm going to throw my predictions out there. I didn't mention it earlier, but obviously with the way how with the way that the playoffs bracket went, and if you listen to last week's episode, my bracket was completely busted from the first round. Um, it's very, very hard to get the each individual map count right. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's hard enough to get the March Madness bracket right if you ever do that for basketball sport, um, basketball fans out there. And to not only get the winner right, but also the map count in competitive Call of Duty, it's a very, very hard thing to do because you never know, you never know how the game's going to go. So just to throw out my predictions, hopefully I at least get some of these right. Um, I think that in the London versus Chicago match, I think that it'll be a 3-1 for Chicago. Although London has been looking good, I think that Chicago's just been looking that much better. But I'm still going to be tuned in for it. We have the Atlanta Phase versus Dallas Empire. Interesting uh, tidbit about the Atlanta Phase. They only had to play that one match for playoffs weekend. They had to play that one match, and then they moved on. It was against Chicago, actually. And then once they moved on, they were pretty much just chilling for the rest of the weekend. But I think that it's going to be a Game 5 in the way of Phase. If I had to throw out round count, I would say that it's going to be like a game five, six, four for the round of phase, or for the for the way of phase, um, knocking Dallas Empire into the losers bracket, and then Dallas Empire would have to face the Chicago Huntsman. I think that no matter who wins in this matchup, we're going to get a great matchup with the Chicago Huntsman in losers bracket finals. Um, whether it be a game five again against Atlanta Phase or a really really good intense matchup between two of the best teams in the CDL, Dallas Empire and Chicago Huntsman. I think it's going to be a great weekend for competitive Call of Duty. Um, it's, they never seem to let us down. And if anyone's not familiar with the, with the format, we're going to have all of those matches, including the Losers Bracket Finals, on Saturday. And then the only match that will be happening on Sunday will be the Championship Grand Final. And the Grand Final will be a best of nine. And... Whoever comes from the winner's bracket, I guess that'll be either Atlanta Phase or Dallas Empire, they get a one-map lead from what, from what I remember from about two weeks ago. If those rules are still the same, um, I believe the press release for that was actually released a long time ago, like in June or something, maybe even July. And so, yeah, the, the team from the winner's bracket gets a one-map lead, and then you play a best of nine, which... Uh, you play to five map wins. So first to win five maps uh, wins the whole series, and then you win a big chunk of cash after you win that. So we have a we have a multiple-hour match of Call of Duty on our hands on Sunday. I'm going to be tuned in for the whole thing. I hope you are too. I hope you're tuned in for the Saturday event as well. Um, that's pretty much it for my playoffs talk. I think it went a lot better than the past episodes. I can't wait to talk about the multiplayer reveal for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Any free agency in the future where it starts a day after my birthday. Um, 
But I think we're in for a great weekend of Call of Duty, guys. Um, I'm trying to get used to doing the podcast more consistently and talking a little bit slower and a little bit more methodical about how I do the entire thing. But I think that's about it for this episode. I've been talking for a hot minute now. Um, But until the next episode, actually, I guess I'll give you a preview for next week. Next week we'll be talking about each playoff or each champs weekend match, including Saturday and Sunday, the grand final. And then we'll be talking about the campaign gameplay that we saw in today's Gamescom reveal. So not only will it be the Gamescom reveal, but it'll be the champs games, champs matches, and the winner. We may even talk about how the winner's season really went along for them. But I'm sure it's going to be some great matches to talk about. I'm, I'm very excited for it, and I hope you are too. Uh, until next time, this has been Episode 3 of Hold the Lane. I'm your host, Dalton Floyd. And until next time, uh, have a great day.